Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're in the middle of our uh, series, Solutions, Solutions for Your Soul. And uh, this is uh, a series, as Kath mentioned, that Pastor Tony started a couple of weeks ago. And the heart of this series is to remind us that God wants every area of our life to prosper. You see, sometimes we can focus in on one area, we can focus in on our finances, or we can focus in on our relationships. But the truth is that God wants every area of our life to prosper. He not only wants to make you holy, He wants to make you whole. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, and if you haven't brought your Bibles, that's all right, the Scripture should be up behind me. May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If He said it, He'll do it. And in part one of this series, Pastor Tony reminded us that we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. We're a spirit that owns a soul that lives in a body. The spirit is the real us. It's the part that lives forever, the part that God speaks to. And our victory in life is dependent on where we live out of. To do that, we need to, he told us we need to lead, we need to silence, speak to, and feed our soul. And then in week two, which was last week, Pastor Kath shared around the restless soul. She shared how many of us have this restless soul. We have so much, but we're still so restless that we wake up at night and we toss and we turn and it doesn't matter what we do, but we seem to always have this restlessness. We achieve so much, yet there's still this restlessness in us. And she shared from uh, how we need to, as Christians, be able to, one, just be still. Just to be still and to two, know that I am God. Be still and know. Because uh, at the end of the day, God has got this. And it's in Him that we need to be able to relax into. So this morning, I want to look at the heavy soul. The heavy soul. And some of you may say it's a bit rude that they ask you, Phil, to share on the heavy soul. (laughs) It has nothing to do with physical weight, but everything to do with our soul. You know, I was reading an article recently and the article was sharing about how this generation has the highest percentage of people that have what they were calling low-grade depression. You know, it's not that clinical depression that we know all about. It's not that clinical anxiety, but this low-grade depression, this heaviness of soul, this idea that we are, no matter what we achieve, we can't put our finger on it, but there's something still not quite right. We have so much in life, but there's still this dissatisfaction, a a lack of hope. Our soul is heavy. King David wrote in Psalm 42 verse 5, he wrote, why my soul are you downcast? Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He's saying, why are you heavy? Why are you uneasy? Why are you worried? Why are you upset? Why so disturbed, O my soul? 
And this is what I want to look at today. Why do so many of us have this heavy soul? You see, our outward appearance would tell you that we've got it all together. If you looked on our Instagram page, although my Instagram page isn't updated as much as it should be, probably once a month at the moment. But if you look at our Instagram pages, life is peachy. If you spoke to me before the service and I came up to you and I said, hey, how are you going? Generally, the Aussie way of asking that question is, how are you going, all right? We're already answering the question before I've let you answer it. How are you going, all right? And it's not bad yourself. That's generally the Aussie bloke way of asking, asking that question. How are you going, all right? We have so much, yet we still feel this weight. We try to lift this weight by spending money, by getting the house, by getting the car, by getting the clothes, by eating. You know, some, some of us are eaters when we get to feel this heaviness of soul. We party, we drink, but this provides temporary relief. And I believe that there are three main reasons we have this heaviness of soul. And I believe that many of us can relate to these. So many of us have heavy souls because of hurts from the past. Situations, circumstances or people that have hurt us in the past. You know, we have this friend that we trusted and they betrayed our confidence or they didn't come through when they needed to. We've had a marriage breakdown or a spouse that's betrayed our trust and we can't rebuild from it. You know, we've had this job interview that didn't go well and we didn't get the job of our dreams or, or someone in our organisation bullied us or at school we had this person that would pick on us consistently. You see, one of my previous jobs, I had this boss that was just completely mean, I felt anyway. She was someone that would say one thing to me and then do another. She was someone that would lie on my performance reviews so that my people upline wouldn't see the great work I was doing, but just would see some of the negative things that I was doing. She would highlight the bad so that I wouldn't look good and it stunted my growth in the organisation. I couldn't get promoted and so I had to move out. I had to find another job and when I moved out of this job, I found a new one and I was doing really well, but this hurt from the past still weighed on me and still affected my current situation. You see, Jeremiah writes of a similar experience he had in Lamentations chapter 3. You know, Jeremiah is writing after the fall of Jerusalem and uh, the people of Israel had been taken away and Jeremiah had seen his family either killed or, or sold into slavery. And Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3 verse 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. You see, we have these hurts from the past that haunt us and they follow us from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from city to city. Sometimes we believe that a change of location will fix this and will fix this haunting that we have and this heaviness but the change of location doesn't change anything because it's still present in our soul. There's another reason I believe we have a heaviness of soul and that is that we are heavy with troubles in the present. And this is described in the book of Job chapter four. And we all know the story of Job, the man that had everything. He was rich, he had lots of cattle, he had lots of sheep, he had everything that you could want, cattle and sheep primarily. Not something I want nowadays, but then it was very popular. 
And then in an instant, everything was stripped away from him. And in verse, chapter 4, verse 5, he says, But now trouble comes to you. Now trouble comes to you. And you are discouraged. It strikes you. And you are dismayed. Some of us can relate to Job, where we're sitting in this moment, in this current present time, and we think, this wasn't my plan. This isn't where I was meant to be. When I looked 15 years ago, I didn't see myself as a divorcee or as a single parent. You know, I talk to a lot of my friends that I've, you know, grown up with and I see these guys and, you know, they're not where they thought they'd be. When we're in high school and in university and Bible college, we talk about the dreams that we have for our life. And I talk to them, I said, well, this isn't where I thought I'd be. I didn't believe that I'd be in debt. I'd be bankrupt. I didn't believe that I wouldn't be able to find a job. I thought I was the best person in the world. I was bulletproof. I didn't believe that my marriage would be where it is right now. We have these troubles in the present and we'd ask ourselves, how did I get here? I thought by the time I was this age, I would be here. I would be somewhere else. This isn't where I imagined I would be. These troubles in our present can weigh us down. And the third reason I believe we have a heaviness of soul is that we are heavy with anxiety for the future. How am I going to pay my bills? The electricity bill came in, that big winter bill that we know is coming every October, November. The school fees are due. The car needs new tyres. How am I going to be able to pay for all of these things? How am I going to be able to provide for my children into the future? What if I get fired from my job? What if my boss doesn't see the good side and only sees the bad and I end up losing my job? What if when I'm about to walk in, year 12, when I'm about to walk into my exam hall and my mind goes blank and I can't recall the answers to the exam and all of a sudden I get into this downward spiral and my thoughts go crazy? We worry about what might happen and have anxiety for the future. You see, you're not alone. You're not the only one that has anxiety for the future, troubles in the past and in the present. In Mark chapter 14, 30, verse 33, we read about Jesus and Jesus is on his way to the cross and he's in the garden of Gethsemane and it says, Jesus took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. And I think that if we're honest before God and we're honest to ourselves, just for a moment, I think that we could agree with one of these things, that we live with hurts from the past, troubles in the present or anxiety for the future. And we live with this heaviness of soul. Sometimes we can't put our finger on it. There's just something that's just not quite right. You know, I love history. Uh, I'm someone who's an amateur studier of history, amateur being I go to Wikipedia and that's my only source of information, <laughs> the best source of information. And I go to, I love researching World War II. World War II was this amazing period of human history where we see so much death and so much destruction. We just see these nations colliding against each other and we see this pain and devastation. But we also see these great advances in technology and great leaps forward. But I was reading recently about this Japanese soldier who 
came out of the wilderness in Indonesia recently and he'd been there for 60 years. 60 years since the uh, end of World War II, he'd been hiding out as a soldier of the Japanese army and he'd been hiding there because he was worried about getting caught. He didn't know that there was peace. He didn't know there was freedom. He didn't know that if he'd only just come out, he could have lived in a completely different way. And he didn't know that life didn't have to be him hiding in caves, eating bugs, drinking water from leaves. Life could be different. And I believe this morning, as we unpackage this a little bit more, that we'll come to the realisation for us that life can be different. It doesn't have to be this way. The good news is you don't have to live with this heaviness of soul. As Pastor Tony shared a couple of weeks ago, we can't live out of our soul. Sometimes we just need for our spirit to lead our soul and to preach it to our soul, to preach to our soul. As I mentioned earlier, David wrote in Psalm 42 verse 5, "Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me?" But then he goes on, and if you finish the verse, he begins to preach to his soul, to lead his soul. He goes on to say, "Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. This heaviness of soul, I don't believe we need to live with it. And I believe that we can move beyond it. But I believe there are three things that we need to remember. We need to remember, first of all, to tell our soul to remember God's faithfulness. You see, we can get into this downward spiral mentally where our mind is racing. And I know this is so true, especially as year 12s are about to go into exam time. That you're about to walk into this exam hall and all of a sudden our mind is racing. What if I forget? What if all these things happen? And, you know, it happens quite often at night, in the middle of the night, about 2.30 in the morning normally when something wakes us up and as our mind awakens, we begin to remember our to-do list that's on our desk at work or we begin to remember the... Uh, the bills that are hanging on our fridge, our mind starts racing. And I believe that it's at that time that we need to begin to lead our soul and speak to our soul. Now, I remember, I remember my very first appearance on the stage here at Victory Church. And it was dressed as a jolly man in red. You would know him as Santa Claus. My very first time on stage a couple of years ago was at the Christmas Spectacular here at Victory Church and I came in as Santa Claus and I distinctly remember walking up the side of the building here with my lollies, throwing them, ho, 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 Merry Christmas, everything was going really well. I walked up on the stage and Mick Roberts was up here and he welcomed me, hey Santa, come on over and we, I came over and I soldered up next to Mick and Mick said, how are you doing, Santa? Are you excited for Christmas? And I remember at this point in time, having this out-of-body experience, I could see myself floating. I was floating and watching myself. My mind went blank. My mouth went dry. I was completely lost for words and I just sort of mumbled something unintelligible. Oh, you know, I didn't know what I was saying. And then Mick so politely turns to me and says, Hey, everyone. Why don't we thank Santa as he's making his way off stage? And I walk off stage and I get off stage. And um, some people haven't let me live that down. Thanks, Dan McGaw and some of the other staff. My very first time on Victory, Sta Victory Church's stage. 
I remember shooting forward a year and the next time I came up here on stage and I was standing just side of stage there waiting for my moment to come on and I remember these thoughts all started flooding back. Remember when you were Santa, your mouth went dry, you forgot your words, you made a fool of yourself, people are pointing their finger at you and laughing, Mick still pays you out, Dan still pays you. Remember all of this? And I'm standing here during the praise and worship and it's so easy for those thoughts to get stuck in my head. But it's at that moment I need to turn my mind and change the way that I'm thinking. You know, one thing that comes into my head every time I'm about to walk on stage, I believe God says to me, you've got this. You've got this because I've got you. You've got this because I've got you. See, Jeremiah, after the fall of Jerusalem, after seeing his family, friends and nation killed and taken into slavery, Lamentations 3 verse 19, it says, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and gall. I well remember them. My soul is downcast within me. So that's the first part of the verse. But as we go on to read, Jeremiah begins to change it. He begins to flip it and he begins to start to speak to his soul. Yet this I call to mind and therefore... I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the mornings when we wake up and we start dreading the day and we start thinking about all of the big things that we've got to do, that's when we need to control our soul and remind it of God's faithfulness and remember that God's mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. His compassions never fail. We need to learn to control our soul and let our spirit speak to it, control our thought life. There are times when we're feeling down, when hope is lost and when there's no way out. We need to take charge of our soul and lead our soul. You see, it's not something that comes straight away. You know, as I'm standing side of stage this morning, I've been on this stage many times since that fateful day, Christmas 2015 or whenever it was. And it's become a lot easier for me to walk up on this stage. It's become a lot easier. I'm able to walk up without that fear that I had that very first time. It becomes easier and easier and easier the more you do it. But we've got to start so We've got to start. It's a discipline. You don't have to live with a heaviness of soul. Excuse me for a moment while I clear my throat. (laughs) I'm recovering from a cold and uh, I just wanted to let you know, so I apologise for that brief intermission. (laughs) You don't have to live with a heaviness of soul. Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness. We need to speak to our soul, to lead our soul. But we also need to cry out to God in the present. God can handle your honesty. You see, He already knows your innermost thoughts. He knows what you're going to think before you even think it. And sometimes we approach God as if He's this person that we need to tick off the list to make sure we get our pronunciation right. We need to maybe speak in a bit of King James and there art thou's and those throw a couple of those in to keep Him happy. Sometimes we feel like we can only tell God and thank Him for the good stuff But the reality is that God is big enough. He is strong enough to handle our complaints. In Psalm 142, David, who is a man after God's own heart, I I believe in part for his honesty before God, 
He wrote, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before Him and I tell Him my troubles. You see, I remember my first term of Bible college 16 or 17 years ago and it came to the end of my first year of Bible college and I was completely broke, my first term, sorry. I'd spent all the money I'd saved up, uh, which wasn't much, and I had no money to be able to continue to pay for the fees that I had to pay for the rest of the year. And I had been going on and I'd been talking to God just politely, God, can you please help me? Can you come through? Can you break through in, this, in my finances? But I remember that last day of Bible college, driving home past Paradise Mazda, and I remember just pouring out my complaints to God. God, come on, you called me here. You said that you would provide. You need to come through in this moment. This is up to you, God. I've done everything that I can. It's over to you. I can't do this on my own. This isn't good enough. I'm not here for myself. I'm here for you. you know, I just began to pour out my complaints to God. You see, it's surprising how we quite often feel like we need to approach God in that holy and reverent way. But God already knows our thoughts. He already knows your feelings. And it's up to us just to pour it out to them. You see, I couldn't do that to my daughters, my nine-year-old daughter. And if I came up to her and just poured out my complaints and poured out my soul and you won't believe this happened, and I can't believe this. We can't, you can't do that to your nine-year-old daughter. But you can do it to God. You can be completely honest. You can be transparent. You can upload and give your burdens to Him. Cry out to God. Ask Him to take this heaviness and cast your cares upon Jesus because He cares for you. Mark chapter 14, verse 32, talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. He went on a little bit further, this is Jesus, and fell to the ground. And he prayed, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. He knew the, what was going to be before him. He knew that he was about to go through immense pain. He knew that the cross was coming up and he still poured out his complaint to God. Father, take this suffering away from me. You know, sometimes we picture Jesus as he's leading up to the crucifixion and he's got his cross over his shoulder and he's skipping down the way, looking forward to getting to the cross. But the reality is that he didn't want to go. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to go through that pain and that agony. He knew what he was about to face. He said to God, take this cup of suffering from me. But then he spoke to his soul from his spirit. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When we cry out to God, when we give our burden, our pain, our disappointment, our shame and our frustration over to Him, He replaces that pain with disappointment, with peace, with perspective and with strength. You don't have to live with a heaviness of soul. Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness. Cry out to God in the present and trust in God's power for the future. You see, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. 
No matter what you're going through, He's already gone before you. No matter what's happened in the past, He was there with you. You know, we look at photos and we think, what a great time. It was so good that God was there, but God is everywhere. He is with you even now. There are people that are going through situations, troubles in this current time, and you can't see a way out of it. And you would think if God would only break through for me like He broke through for me there, if only His presence would come and touch me like it did then. But the reality is that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. God was there with you in the past. You know, your children are a great example of this. When Isla was a baby, my nine-year-old daughter, and we just didn't know what to do as our first child. And we would... You know, as first-time parents, we would, didn't know how to feed them, bathe them, any of that sort of stuff. Having babies is really quite a stressful time. And I thank God that Sarah was there because she knew a lot more than me. But God was there with us in that moment. God was there at that time when she started school and my heart was so depressed because I couldn't believe my little girl was now five. She was there at that time. And you know what? She'll be there at Isla's graduation when she sits down for the year 12 exams and her mind starts racing. God will be there. The same God that was there at her birth, the same God that was there when she started school will be there with her at the end. God is faithful. God is faithful and we need to trust Him with our future. God's done it in the past. He's broken through in the past. We, we think of these songs and we sing these songs. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Peace, be still because what it does is we're speaking to our soul from our spirit and it calms it. And what it says is it gives us a confidence for the future that when we walk out of church on a Sunday morning, we are filled with faith. We are filled with hope and in His great power. You see, anxiety is the fruit. This is a quote by Lee McDermott. Anxiety is the fruit of the belief that God is going to let me down. Peace is the fruit of the belief that God will never let me down. No matter what your situation now, we can have peace for the future in the knowledge that God will never let me down. If the band could come, that would be amazing. Our soul will believe what we tell it. It's so easy and so natural for us to move towards the negative. It's so natural for our mind, isn't it? When we wake up in the middle of the night, our thoughts don't turn to all of the great things that we're going to have planned for the day, but it immediately goes to the negative, to think those destructive thoughts. You know, why is it that when you wake up in the morning, it's so easy to remember the bad dreams that you've had, but so hard to remember all of the good ones? You see, when I was in Bible college and I was driving home past Paradise Mazda and I was crying out to God for my finances, calling out to God. It was at that moment I unloaded my fears, unloaded my anxiety for the future and God replaced it with a peace. He replaced it with a stillness that said, no matter what comes, I will be with you and my power will be with you. If God said it, He will do it. For year 12s, as you're about to enter into your exam period, cry out to God for the future. Rest in Him. His power is with you to take you through this time. God's got you. I believe just as I was walking up on stage this morning and He says, you've got this because I've got you. I almost feel like there may be a prophetic word for some of our year 12s. You've got this because God's got you. See, before 
David was king. He was anointed by Samuel, the prophet. And then Saul became depressed and downhearted and wanted to kill David. And so David had to escape and he went and he hid in this cave. And it was at this time that he had no friends. He had no one there with him. He was just alone in this cave. And it would have been easy for David to be miserable, but it was at that time that he wrote Psalm chapter 18. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my Saviour. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and He saved me from my enemies. He saved me from my enemies. He's speaking to his soul before he has even been saved, saying, it's, I've got this. 2 Chronicles, in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 32, it talks about King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah was one of the kings towards the end of the, the nation of Israel or Judah's time. And Hezekiah is surrounded and Jerusalem is surrounded by the Assyrian army. And the Assyrian army had gone through all of the Middle East and it had wiped out the Syrian Empire. It had wiped out the Edomites and everyone else. There was only Judah remaining. And this entire army was surrounding the walled city, ready to come in and just to destroy that place. And can you imagine being in that city at that time, knowing that there was hundreds of thousands of soldiers separated by just rocks and a wall? ready to take your life. And that's when Hezekiah spoke to the people of Judah and he said this, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battle for us. You see, Joshua, he inherited the nation of Israel and became their leader after Moses' death. And he's standing at the border of the promised land and he's got this big job ahead of him to lead these millions of people into the promised land and to conquer that land. And it was at that moment that God appeared to Joshua and He says in 1 verse 9, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When the electricity bill comes in and the car needs new tyres and the school fees come in, I want to encourage you, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. When you're about to walk in for your exams, year 12s, and any uni students, I want to encourage you, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. When you're about to enter into that performance review at work or you're about to enter into the job interview, I want to encourage you today, church, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. There is a power far greater on your side. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 